Grandma was a wise woman. She had a way of putting wisdom in a way that was simple and easy to understand. I will never forget her words that she shared with me that one Saturday morning. I had been staying. I'd stayed the night at Grandma's. We were sitting at her tiny little kitchen around her table. She had served some biscuits and gravy. And uh, we were sitting there just enjoying looking out the window and talking about life together. And somehow we got onto the subject of our words. And uh, Grandma got a twinkle in her eye, and I could tell that meant she was about to tell a story. She said, you know, Toby, I learned about my words from your Grandpa Jack. Now, I never knew my Grandpa Jack. He passed away when I was very little, so I don't remember him. I've seen pictures of him, but I I didn't know him personally. Uh, But she said, you know, Grandpa Jack... He was never one to lose his temper. Uh, When we were in our earlier married years, uh, lots of couples our age uh, had struggles and were maybe have little spats and fights, and they would come to me, the the wives would, and they'd be talking about this. They were arguing about this or that. uh, Some of the husbands would go to Jack. And uh, I thought that was curious one time because I just thought our marriage must be very different. So she said, I asked your Grandpa Jack about that. She said, Jack, why is it that you and I don't seem to have all the the trouble that all of our friends are having? Why is it that you and I don't fight? And Grandpa Jack said, well, Barbara, my feeling on it is this. That whatever words I say to you in a moment of anger, I can never ever take back. And I would rather keep my mouth shut, let myself calm down, and come to you when I'm more thinking more clearly and talk through it, rather than to say something that I would forever regret. Now she, she said, I was very appreciative of that, because your Grandpa Jack never had an unkind word. He never had a snarky comment or a criticism. And that's was a huge blessing to us in our marriage. Well, that's been a huge blessing to me in my life. I can't say that I've always 100% followed Grandpa Jack's advice, but we're going to talk about Grandma's wisdom this morning as we enter in our series on faithfulness. And uh, what we're talking about in faithfulness, if you guys will advance that slide, I didn't quite get my clicker out, um, is being faithful to God, using God's gift, for God's glory. We've talked about how we can do that with our time and our treasure and our talent. Last week we talked about our tribe and how the people God puts in our lives are, is really a gift. But how we use those things, those blessings rather, to not just be a blessing for us, but to give praise to God. And so we're, today we're going to talk about how to be faithful with your tongue. The key verse for this whole series has been 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 2. In fact, you should know it by now, so I'm just going to ask you uh, to read the words in yellow for me as we read together 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Yes, we understand that. We, we understand that Paul, he was talking about his responsibility, his stewardship as an apostle and of the, of the Lord's church there at Corinth. But, but just really in all areas of our lives, we have to be mindful about how to be faithful with, with what God gives us. Just for a moment, would you stick out your tongue at the preacher? 
As we think about being faithful with your tongue, I'm mindful that this is, uh, this is a part of my body that I use often and regularly, and um, you do too, even though you're not the preacher. It's a, it's a part of our body that we use and that we speak several thousand words every day, and the scripture says we've got to be very, very careful. You see, it's more than just, just about what grandma's wisdom, it's about what God's word says. If you want to follow along in God's word, go to a verse that uh, is a little bit scary to me, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Matthew 12, verse 36, uh, the first book there of the New Testament, and if you're not familiar with the scriptures, just turn to page 1048, 1048 in the Pew Bible, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus says these very words that should stir the soul, I tell you, on the day of judgment, People will give account for every careless word that they have spoken. I mean, just think about that for just a second. Can you, can you think about every careless word just tossed aside, just a moment, just a cutting comment, just a moment of gossip, just a, a passing along of some slander, speaking unkindly to someone? I mean, you're going to be held accountable, Jesus said, for every careless word. So, so our goal is to not to be careless, but to be careful with our words. James, the brother of Jesus, says it quite more succinctly. And um, he says in James chapter 1, verse 26, those, and speaking to us now, those of us sitting here in the pew, those of us watching online, he said, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Whoa, that's square between the eyes, James. And James is basically saying, what, what's the point of what you're doing here if you can't control what's here? Why does this matter so much to God? Well, Jesus said, the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. So when we've got a mouth problem, what we really have is a heart problem. And that's why it's so important. We're going to be in James for the rest of uh, this message, and I hope that you'll turn there because you'll be very blessed, not necessarily from my lesson, but from the Word of God. James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. This is page 1,293 in the Pew Bible, if you don't know where James is. And uh, James gets right to it when he's talking about the tongue. He doesn't just say, hey, you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. He says, listen, I, I want to give you some very practical advice, very practical truth of God. James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. The scripture says that your tongue is a fire. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it bro- boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Our our tongue is a fire. It can be used for great things, but it can also be used for very destructive things. 
Occasionally you'll read in the news or see on the news a story about a forest fire in California uh, or someplace with a great number of forests. And as you're thinking about that, the number one question is what? Well, how did it start? Where did it begin? Now, in some cases, it's a lightning bolt, strikes a tree, falls over, it's on fire, it sets things on fire. Uh, fire is a, a natural, a nature's way of, of cleaning things out. But sometimes it's someone being careless and they toss their cigarette butt out the side of the road and it catches the ditch on fire and it catches the needles on fire and then begin the trees and then it begins to set the whole course of everything on fire. Sometimes when you see the world around you, whether it's your work world or your maybe your family or your relationships, and it just seems everything seems to be on fire, a wonderful question to ask is, well, where did that all begin? And the answer to that, whether you track it down or not, is someone's mouth. Someone used their words carelessly to start things afire, start a huge blaze a-going. And, and believe it or not, there are professional fire starters, people who just like st- stirring up the scuttlebutt, people who just like stirring things up, people who just like bringing things and, and, and causing trouble and causing to be, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, I can't believe the way they looked at you. Oh, oh you better, oh, I can't believe they treated your kid that way. I mean, they just really like to stir it up, and they use their mouth as a sort of a, a blowtorch, if you will. You see, if you think about it, James says the, the, the member within our mouth, our tongue, is just like this fire. Now, this fire has potential to do two things. Great destruction or wonderful warmth. It can help. It can also hurt. And so, because we have a fire within us, we have to make sure that we use it wisely. So you need to be careful in how you use your fire. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the time. Controlling the tongue is important for the same reason that controlling fire is important. If used in the right way, if contained properly, it can be a huge blessing, but left uncontained, carelessly tossed about, it can cause great destruction. We have a choice every day that we have to make. I mean, not just starting tomorrow. It's a choice that's going to affect the life of you and the life of your family and the life of those around you, your co-workers. Every day you have this choice to make. How are you going to use your fire. Will you use it for warmth? Will you use it to build others up? Proverbs chapter 16 in the Old Testament, verse 24, has a great deal of wisdom to give us about the tongue. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24 says, and this is page 690. I'm sorry, yeah, 690. Um, that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There are some people who are just full of honey. 
They, they speak sweetly and kindly. They encourage you. Just seeing them, you know that your interaction with them will leave you lifted up and not put down. They are the people who in, encourage you and speak life into you. My sister in Christ, uh, sweet sister Rose, she is this way with young children, with adults, with ladies' days. But she's just like that with people in the foyer. She speaks life into them. She encourages them, and she helps them. I was walking through the foyer just this morning, and I was watching Brother Justin Abraham doing what he's done with many of us. And he just had a a brother, right? He just had his arm around him, and he's got his head bowed, and he's just praying over that brother. What's he doing there? He's using his words for warmth. He's using his mouth to be a blessing to other people. When I was um, in the youth ministry world before they fired me from that job, I heard the story from a fellow youth minister of a, of a, a youth group that was very different than our youth group. Not in terms of size, not in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality. See, this youth group had division, strife. Uh, There were a bunch of cliques. They didn't get along well. Um, This morning, there was several of the young guys who helped serve, and I was just watching, and the rest of the congregation was too. And something so cool happened. They were walking down, and it's a very full house this morning, right? And so they're walking down, and we, we don't know what's going to happen because you guys are full. And, and Austin comes right here, and he's like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to sit in the front row. Then I'll be used in a sermon illustration. I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I, you know, and he's just, this is this moment, right? And I'm watching this interaction, seeing what happens here. And Grant, man, you did the perfect Perfect job. You did the right thing. This is exactly how our youth group is, and I have no doubt with your leadership will continue to be. You just saw the moment. You did not hesitate, and you just said, hey, guys, you know, come on. And you just, you waved Austin on in. You told these guys to scoot on down. We're going to pack them in like sardines and make it happen. That's the sign of a healthy youth group. And that means more to you than you know. That means a world to this guy right here. That means a world to this, but, but it means a huge it makes a huge difference, the impact, the example that you, the people saw in you and in all of you guys. That's a healthy youth group. This youth group was not that way. They had divisions. It was the older versus the younger. It was the cool versus the uncool. It was the rich versus the poor. It was, it was just all sorts of division in this youth group. And this youth minister had been newly hired, and he was trying to figure out what to do with this dysfunctional youth group. Because he knew that even though they listened during Bible class, they didn't take it to heart. They didn't put it into practice. They'd sit around after the Devo and they'd, they'd be gossiping about some kid. Or the, the girls would be being mean to some girl who didn't wear the right things or look the right way. Or can you believe they was, oh, that's so stupid. And they were just any opportunity to cut one another down. And so this youth man was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And so he came up with the saying, The next uh, Bible class, I think it was on a Wednesday night, he turned to a verse in his Bible. And all he did was read it. And that's, that's what I want to do for you this morning. I hope you'll join me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 is page 1,254. And here's what he said to the youth group, okay? Not our youth group, but his youth group. 
He just read these words. He said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. A simple word from Ephesians 4, verse 29. And he said, from here on out, I want this group to be a different kind of group. So when I hear you talking in a way that you shouldn't be talking, if the guys are gathered around, they're they're telling filthy jokes, or they're talking about some filthy movie or something that they've watched, I'm going to just ask a simple question. What time is it? And when I ask that question, I need somebody to answer me, it's 429. Regardless of what time it is, it's 429. To remind you of what Ephesians 429 says. If I hear a bunch of the girls standing around gossiping, cutting down each other, or cutting down someone who's not there, I'm going to go into their little circle and I'm going to say, excuse me ladies, what time is it? And I need one of you to say, it's 429. Now, at first, this was just a joke, right? The kids didn't take it seriously. They made fun of the youth minister. They thought, oh, that guy's so corny. He doesn't understand what life's about. But, but then something happened. One of the seventh graders, and by the way, the seventh graders just came into the youth group today, so maybe you have an opportunity to do this. One of the seventh graders, with all the heart and courage in the world, heard a few guys saying, some things that they shouldn't be saying, saying some words that they weren't not appropriate for Christ followers. And with his audacity, he said, hey guys, that's how seventh graders talk. Hey guys, what time is it? And you should have seen the seniors give him the glare. Excuse me. I said, what time is it? You minister said what? What? The Bible for the 429. And so they didn't say anything. And the seventh grader lived from that moment. He lived to tell the story. It's amazing. But what happened in that moment was he humbled those, those seniors, and they realized that they weren't setting the right example. And so then came the next Devo. And everybody's criticizing, um, I think it was like the food or something like that. They had, they had ordered the wrong pizza or something like that. And, and, and people started complaining as they're sitting there with a pizza they didn't like. And, and one of the seniors says, hey, guys, what time is it? And almost in unison, everybody around the table said, it's 429. And gradually, the youth minister didn't have to be around for the youth group to begin transforming. And what happened is that the youth group began to transform from a place where people hated to go as a place where kids were full of anxiety and fear. Instead, they looked forward to it because they knew that when they went there, it was a place where they would receive encouragement, where they could pray together, where they could talk about their problems and understand that wasn't going to be gossiped about. They, they, they really felt like they would be blessed because everybody began to practice 429. It became a place where kids wanted to be. It became a youth group that was tighter and more close-knit than it had ever been before. You see, the group had learned to use their tongues for warmth. No unwholesome talk, but only what is helpful 
or building others up. There's a second choice, and that is this. You can use your fire, you can use your tongue as a weapon. And there are so many different ways to do that, it's almost hard to begin talking about all the different ways, but, but one of the big ones that I just personally hate is gossip. I mean, I know some people look lightly upon gossip. They go, well, it's just, you know, it's just a couple of people chit-chatting, just talk about the scuttlebutt, just, you know, it's no big deal. But I hate gossip. Gossip destroys unity. Satan uses gossip to destroy people, to split churches, to ruin entire companies, Fortune 500 companies that have such a toxic culture that people might get paid less, but they want to go work somewhere else because the climate is so unhealthy. Uh, Dave Ramsey, many of you uh, have gone through FPU. He tells a story when they were building his business that he just couldn't figure it out. There was, there was something going on within the team that the team was, the t- he called them the team, but the team wasn't acting like a team. And the problem he realized was that there was one lady on that team, sweet Christian lady, who was a fire starter. She was a gossiper. Just always using that water cooler time, always just siding up there at the cubicle, always just going around and just asking what was going on and telling other people what was happening and just, just bringing that toxic gossip into the culture. And, and he had zero tolerance for it. He had, his rule is, if you are gossiping, you get one warning. But the second warning is, you're going to be packing your things. That's how seriously he takes it. He says, I have no room on this team for gossipers. I hate it. Well, this was early on, right? Now, this lady was productive. She was efficient. She was good. But she was a gossip. She couldn't control her mouth. Well, he did the, he did the right thing. He brought her in. He said, Susie, I've known you a long time. You, you do great work, but I'm sorry. You're, you're just too much of a gossip. And I'm going to have to tell you, today will be your last day. And she was just, oh, oh well, I never. And you know, <laughs> she was going to tell some people. But funny thing happened. The next day, when she wasn't there anymore, there was just a, an air that had changed among the team. People were more relaxed. People were smiling. They were happier. Why? Because he had removed the gossip. He had taken her out. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Yeah, that's, that's good. I'm still trying to work it out with the elders if we can figure out a way to, to, to tell people to fire them from Northside if they're, if they're caught gossiping. I don't know if that'll work or not, but here's how seriously we take it. A few weeks ago, I did a sermon on elders talking about do not raise up an accusation against an elder. And I just basically said, if anybody does that, you just turn and walk away, right? Because my, my thing was don't fuel the fire. And I had a dear, sweet sister in Christ that I look up to very much. And she said, now listen, I love your sermon, but you didn't go far enough there. What they need to do is if someone starts gossiping, and especially if they're entertaining accusations or casting aspersions against leadership, that needs to be confronted. That needs to be nipped in the bud. That that is not 
what we stand for here at Northside. And if you're a gospel and if you love to share in Scuttlebutt, you just go right on somewhere else and share. You will not be welcome here. Now, don't misunderstand. If you've got a struggle with gossip and you're trying to overcome that, that's different. But if you have come just to start fires and to spread gossip and, and just pass around uh, and, and just cause division, mm-mm, not among the Lord's people. We don't, we don't need people. You know, we're supposed to use the sword of the Spirit, but uh, not against one another. Your tongue is a weapon that can cause great damage. So you've got to be careful, not careless. Your tongue is a fire that can bring healing and warmth, or it can cause scarring burns that people never recover from. Now think about this. There are are things that you've said, and you know you've said them, or maybe you've long forgotten, but the person to whom you said them, or the person that you said it about, they will never forget. They will never forget the way that you scarred them. I could preach to you, but I'm guilty of the same thing. I use my tongue for a living. I'll never forget it. I wish I could undo it. I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. It was Starbucks. And I was there, and I was actually working on some sermon stuff. And then she walked in. And, and I just grew red all the way up. I was, I was seeing flames. I was angry here. I, it, was, it was boiling over within me. Because this lady had hurt me and had hurt some other people. And I thought, man, what do I do? I'm not ready for this conversation, God. I'm not, you know I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't know what to do. And she walked by, and she didn't see me, thankfully, and I, I thought, okay, dodge that bullet. And she got her order, and she came by, and she was just as nice as could be, nice as could be. And she saw me, and she says, hey! And I was staring daggers. And I'm not proud of this moment. But in that moment, I used my tongue as a fire, and I let her have it. I took every bit of anger and venom and vitriol that I had here, out here. And I let her have it, and I read her the riot act, and I told her what I thought. And all those thoughts you think you want to say, and you think, man, if I ever meet this person, I said them. Right, right? Let me just tell you. I only felt satisfaction for about 30 seconds. And then I knew. Your tongue is a fire. Set on fire by hell. Staining the whole body. And setting on fire the entire course of life. And I knew the repercussions and the ripples that were going to happen from my 30 seconds of careless words. That I'll have to answer for, by the way, on Judgment Day. I scarred her. I did. I can't get that back. That bridge is burned. I'm warning you that if you do not be careful with your tongue, you'll hurt people. And doing the worst kind of damage, you can hurt them in the eternal sense. 
Someone once said, never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. I shouldn't have opened my mouth that day. I should have kept it closed. I should have calmed down. I should have followed Grandpa Jack's example. But that was my poor choice. That was my sin. I hope if you have the opportunity to read someone the riot act, you'll think twice about it. We get to choose, you see, how we will use our tongue. The question is, really, are we going to use it to build up or to break down? Tyler, can you come here for just a second because I need your help. I was thinking about this. I know all of you have been wondering what is in this box. Bees! No, I'm kidding. (laughs) As I was thinking about how we use our mouths, it occurred to me that we have the choice each time we use our mouths to build up or to break down. Thanks, Ty. I don't know if you've played this game of Jenga, but it's a pretty simple game. It's not too difficult or complicated. In fact, it's so simple, even a youth group member could do it. I'm just kidding. Uh, Come up here, seventh graders and seniors, come on up. You see, guys, and by the way, I need you to sort of flank out this way so everybody can see it. You see, every day this week, come on up here behind the Jenga game and around it. Every day this week, you're going to have the opportunity. Here's my new brother in Christ. See, Drew's going to have the opportunity. He sees a kid at school tomorrow, and that kid, maybe he's at the bottom of the pecking order, and everybody picks on him. And he's going to have the opportunity to choose how he gets to use his words. Is he going to build up or break down? Now, go ahead. Take one. Carefully. He gets to choose whether that person... Nope, just hold on to it. See, when he meets that that kid that everybody else, he can choose just to pile on like everybody else. He can choose to take a part of that kid. You guys, let's just do that for a second. Pretend like you're the youth group that you're not and began dismantling this kid. One, just be very careful, but take one block at a time. And let's just, come on, come on, gather around. You see, in that moment, when we interact with somebody, we have the opportunity to take something from them. We have the opportunity to to pull a part of them, to discourage them, to have sarcasm or snark or criticism, to make fun of their haircut or their their clothes or or to make fun of the way that they talk or the way that they look. We have this, this opportunity where we get to push somebody down and we think somehow that builds us up. And so you're you're taking little tiny chunks of this person. However you see it. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to teenagers. That you are going to have a moment at work with a friend, with a, with a family member, where you have the opportunity to, to put them down, to be sarcastic, to be critical.
until eventually they collapse. Now, this is a, this is a serious and important point, and I don't miss don't miss and go, oh, I remember you talked about Jenga. Okay, here's the point. You got a choice whether to build people up or break people down. And we're seeing it all over the world. You can't, how can this person go into a, a crowd or to a school or to a building and just open fire on people? Because little by little, people took parts of them. But then the second choice is this. And this is what our youth group does so well. The second choice is that we can take people who are broken down, people who come to us, not just in a youth group, but in a church, and little by little, instead of taking from them, we begin to love them. We begin to show kindness to them. We begin to show joy and, and caring. And when we show them that you, God loves you and God cares for you, and they build into them little by little. Did you think this morning, as you look just for a second, I know you're looking at the teens, look for just a second, the people behind you and sitting in front of you and all along your pew. Just look around, okay? Did you think of that as your own little Jenga tower? You had the opportunity this morning before you came in to build up or to break down or maybe just stay neutral. But I want you to be a builder. That's how we are at Northside. So build into people. Speak life into them. Give encouragement and kindness and love with your words. That, you see, is huge. Because when you do that, the result is quite different, isn't it? You see, you get to choose this week how you're going to use your words. And let's give a hand to our teens. Thank you for helping with that. You guys can have a seat. I hope and I pray as the seventh graders come into this youth group that they find this youth group, and I believe that they do, to be a place where you are built up instead of broken down. But even more than just the youth group, I pray that we are the kind of church that uses our tongues to build instead of break down. Breaking down is easy. Being critical, being harsh, being rude, speaking unkindly, that's easy to do. That is not hard at all. But it takes work. It takes awareness. It takes intentionality to be able to speak a word of life into somebody. We get to build people up with kindness and prayer and joy and optimism and courage and love, we get to be an encourager. An encourager kind of like Sky Nicer. As I said, this past week was first day of school. You may or may not know, Tyler and Grace started a new school this year. So naturally, they were both quite nervous. And my daughter, Grace, first day, had those butterflies, didn't you, sweetie? Going in there in the tummy. And she went in. She was doing just like she's doing now. She was just latching on to her mama. Because she didn't know what what kind of place this new school would be. She didn't hardly know anybody. And and she was having just a hard time. But then something changed. A builder was coming down the hall, and it was Skye. And Skye was just like she is right now, had a big old smile on her face. 
And she's like, hi, Grace. Oh, you're going to love it here. I remember my first day. I, it was hard. I remember that. But you're going to love your teacher. I've, we've got the same teacher. And you're going to love all of our friends. And what was she doing? What was Sky doing? Even at her age, she was choosing to build. She was encouraging. The word encourage means literally to give courage. And as Grace saw Sky, her face just brightened up. A smile came across her face. She was being built up. And now I have no doubt. Whoops, wrong block. <laughs> um, I have no doubt that as Grace meets new kids, when it's their first day of school, she'll do for them what Sky did for her. You see, you and I have a choice. Are we going to choose to break? To build up others up, or are we going to choose to break them down? May we give others courage. So, let's review. The tongue is a gift. Use it for God's glory. You've been doing that this morning. I, yeah, I heard you using your mouths for glory, but that's sort of expected, right? The second is to use it to speak life to others. You could encourage them here at church. You could send them a kind text message. You could introduce them by their character qualities. I did this with Ben Tyson this morning. We were sitting there, and I was introducing him to a guest. And Ben's one of the kindest, greatest-hearted guys I know. He's a great husband and a great dad. And when I was introducing Ben to this guest, I, I didn't just say, oh, this is Ben Tyson. He's uh, head of the children's activities. I said, this is Ben Tyson. He's a good friend, and the kids just love him. He has a great heart. What am I doing? I'm speaking life into Ben. I'm showing our guests what kind of church we choose to be. You see, we, we've got to choose both to use our tongues for God's glory and to speak life into others. Don't let the two be in conflict. I don't know if you've seen this, but we're bringing the lights down and turn the sound up if you if will, guys. Maybe you've seen this on Facebook. We're not going to watch the whole thing, but... but <laughs> There was a flash mob at one of my favorite places. Um, today's the Lord's house, but, uh, you know, Monday through Saturday, here gathered at Chick-fil-A, the, the second Lord's house, is... Uh, every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to our God.
Now, you don't realize what just happened there, but that, that was a, a acapella conference there in Nashville, Tennessee. And these guys went there for lunch, and they decided to do an acapella flash mob, right? And it was just beautiful. It gets me jazzed up every time I hear it. Just their energy, enthusiasm, and passion, passion that they're using to praise God. But don't you know that they blessed all the people in that Chick-fil-A, and it went so viral that CBS shared that news. They were using their tongues to bless and worship God, and with it, they were also using it to bring encouragement and give hope to people all around the world. How many millions of people have watched and listened to that? I love some acapella music. I love worshiping in spirit and in truth. I love singing from the heart and glorifying Him with the mouth. But there's a second part to that. Don't glorify Jesus in here for an hour and then be a jerk to everybody else the rest of the week. That's exactly what James is saying. With our tongues... We praise our Father from the same mouth. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. What does James say? My brothers, this should not be. May we choose this week to use our tongues to warm. May we use this week and the weeks to follow and all the days of our life to use our mouths to build instead of break down. May we be fruitful and faithful with our tongues, realizing it's a gift from God and we should use it to God's glory. See, a heart that is controlled by Jesus will have a tongue that praises him and brings honor to him in all aspects of life. This morning, I want to invite you, uh, if you haven't yet professed the name of Jesus, the, the scriptures say you must do that to profess him as Lord in order as, as a part of the salvation process. And if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to profess before these witnesses this morning that you are ready to follow Jesus, then we'd be happy to help you. Or maybe you've been misusing your tongue and you need to confess like I did. Maybe you've, maybe you've been using your tongue for more, more for fire to burn people than to warm people. Maybe you've been using your tongue to tear people down instead of build them up. If you need to repent in a public way, if we can pray for you or with you to help you in any way. Whatever your need is this morning, the opportunity now is yours to use your tongue to glorify God and to repent of your sin if you need to do that. Please come forward if you have a need as together we stand and sing.